1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Round Ball Stew presented by Roto World and NBC Sports Edge. I'm Dan Titus, Yahoo Fantasy Basketball Analyst, joined with Raphael Johnson, also of Roto World and NBC Sports Edge. We're going to talk about the NBA Finals. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets for claiming their first NBA championship. We learned a lot from both the Nuggets and the Heat, so we'll talk about that. And then we'll also get into some notable news and rumors circulating from around the league as we inch closer to the draft. Which is one of my favorite times of the year. But Raf, first and foremost, man, what did you think of those NBA finals?
2: It was competitive. It wasn't like your usual gentleman's sweep where you think a team, the winning team, kind of just goes to sleep for a game. Um, I thought Denver played well throughout, and they were challenged by Miami because they couldn't really afford to to have that game off, so to speak. Um, Miami just ran out of gas. I don't know how healthy Jimmy Butler really was, you know, at the end of it because we really didn't see those explosive games. After he sprained his ankle in the New York series, but they got Nikola Jokic, who is unquestionably the best player in the NBA right now. Um, Jamal Murray, he's back. I think he's a bona fide top twenty, top twenty-five caliber player right now. Um, this team is set up contract-wise, with one notable exception that we'll get to a little bit later. They're set up to go on a bit of a run here, so. Congrats to Denver, um, and we'll see what they do. You know, these next couple years, I think they can rip off a couple more titles. But to say uh, if they can rip off a couple more titles, we could be talking dynasty,
1: dynasty yeah. mode here. And mm-hmm. uh, from what I've seen, you know, for how deep this squad is, and for the way that they invested, the combination of veteran leadership, like you know, getting the DeAndre Jordans. Um, on the bench you got the Jeff Greens he's a free agent but you know I think that the pedigree also with bringing in Contavious Caldwell Pope with people like yeah. Christian Brown and um, I mean this Jamal Murray playing outside of his mind and then you have the MVP and probably mm-hmm. the best big man ever in Nicole Jokic congratulations to him much well-deserved MVP arguably could have been regular season MVP too but I mean just absolute monster in the playoffs yeah. average 30 points 13 boards nine and a half assists uh, not, yeah, nine and a half assists, almost two threes, two stocks. Everyone talks about how Jokic doesn't play defense. Obviously, they're not watching basketball. This man yeah. was all over the place. Um, But just absolutely historical finals with 30, 30 points, 14 boards, seven dimes, shot almost 59% from the field, 42% from three. Like, come on, man. Like, the guy's a human cheat code and uh, yeah. just so humble. Um, I, I just really appreciated, like, in this finals we had such humble – superstars in this, like mm-hmm. even on the other side with Jimmy Butler, very team first guy. So as much as this was like, you know, a pretty deciding um, gentleman sweep, I really enjoyed it. Like it was great yeah. to see Jamal Murray get back to this stage that we last saw him in the bubble, just c- go completely nuclear. Um, so let's talk about that for a minute. Um, you know, Nicole Yogis got MVP. I think you could also make the case that Jamal Murray was certainly worthy of it. Yeah. He averaged 21.6 boards and 10 dimes in the finals. What did you see from Jamal Murray that makes you excited about him being a top 20 or top 25 pick going into next season?
2: I would say the decision-making, you know, in addition to his scoring ability um, being further removed from that ACL tear first four games of the finals, he had 10 or more assists. Um, That was the first time in NBA history. I believe that a player had 10 or more assists in each of his first four finals games. Um, So I think the improvement there, the turnovers were a bit high in game five, but given how tight the game was and how much Miami was going to fight, it's not really a surprise. And he still had eight assists. So I think that kind of worked out in his favor as it is. So, you know, a full season, another season removed from the knee injury. I don't think there'll be any types of restrictions on him going into next year um, because there was still some injury management, you know, work done early in this season for him. But yeah, I think he's – at that point where we thought he would continue to build from in the bubble. And he's just going to go even higher. I think he's got even more to give from a production standpoint. Yeah,
1: he was top 50. He was just outside the top 50 this yeah. year in nine cat leagues. So I think he can make that jump into that top 30, top 25 conversation for sure. I'm going to make him a third round pick. I think we'll see how this offseason season goes. He may even get into the mm-hmm. late second round um, because as you said, I think it's the decision-making that jump because he was really just a score first guard before. But I think yeah. you saw in the finals how dominant he could be in the pick and roll and in the dribble handoff with Jokic. I mean, the the Heat are, were, were one of the best teams at adjusting, whether it be a zone defense or just giving you multiple different looks. And they just could not figure out um, that two-man game. And it just – I don't know. I think it just goes to show the maturation that he's made in his game that he can do stuff other than score. Um, and he was doing that at a high clip too. So I – yeah, I really like Jamal Murray. Let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. though, because he mm-hmm. didn't have um, the NBA Finals production that he had throughout the playoffs. Like he was a knockdown shooter for much of the the playoffs, and then he just kind of fa- lost his shot in the finals. But really did hit the glass, and I think that that's an area where um, I would love to see more improvement from him, like more mm-hmm. more uh, sustainment in that area, because I think that could re- really increase his fantasy value if you can get you know near double double. Uh, with Michael Porter jr. He's not, never going to give you any assist, but you know, mm-hmm. the threes,
2: the points and the rebounds, I think that could be huge. Yeah. He's just outside of top 75 and nine cap this year uh, during the regular season, five and a half rebounds per game. As you noted, he was much better during the playoffs, especially the finals. And I think for me, that's the biggest sign of potential for him. Like we've seen in the past where he and a lot of other score first guys, let their shot dictate what they do in other areas. I thought he moved past that in this playoff run. Um, so I think having the the evidence that doing so will will reward you in the form of a championship, I think that's going to help him even more. I don't know how high I draft, but I'd still have him in like that seventh round range, I guess I would say. But I don't know if I'd go too much lower than that because I think the scoring is going to be there. Far better shooter than what we saw in the finals. And that rebounding, if he can continue on that path, as he's going to be a very good fancy player. I think my one concern would be that the brace that he had to play in on his left leg because of the back issues and what that caused in other areas. Does he get that off this offseason? Is it something that he's going to have to continue to deal with moving forward?
1: Yeah, injuries are always a concern with Michael Porter Jr. Mm-hmm. He, um, two seasons ago he balled out. You know, I think that really <laughs> raises fantasy stock. And then he kind of mm-hmm. had a down year once Jamal Murray kind of entered the fold along with other assets like Bruce Brown and, and Contavius Caldwell Pope. Um, but yeah, I'm not I don't know that I'm gonna expect him to drop, you know, eighteen points a game. I think it's probably gonna settle somewhere in that 17 range. Yeah. But if you can get that five and a half up to about seven or eight, I, I think that's a well worthy you know, mid round pick as you, as you Mm -hmm. suggested, I would prefer him over like a Tobias Harris type of a guy. Um, But, you know, would still probably go in the same range. Um, But yeah, I think that he's here to stay, man. I was just looking at before we hopped on the show, I was looking at his, his contract. (laughs) My gosh, he is, he's going to be in Denver for a while with that, that kind of a cap hit. But, um, but that's the beauty about the Denver Nuggets, the way that they've organized their roster. Um, They can afford to have these lower end guys because they drafted them. You know, they got them for a good deal. Um, and can, it's not as much of a cap hit to them that they can still keep the stars like Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic. And uh, Jokic doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to want to, you know, be a mercenary here and travel to yeah. different teams. Like, mm-hmm. I think he's going to be pretty pretty locked into that Denver scenario for a while. And if Jamal Murray's smart, he'll uh, ride those coattails because I think that's a that's a dope combo, one of the best NBA duos that we can see in the league right now. Um, but let's talk about some unheralded guys uh mainly Bruce Brown because he came over last offseason, signed a two year deal worth upwards almost of 14 million dollars. But the beauty of it, he signed with a player option. So mm-hmm. he was supposed to make 6.8 going into next season now that he's got a championship and now that he was proven to be like a legitimate six man for this for this uh Nuggets team throughout the postseason and I would say much of the regular season too. Mm-hmm. Um he's probably gonna opt out. Yeah. What are your,
2: what are the chances are you think that he stays? Um, well, Denver doesn't hold his bird rights, so the most they can pay him is a little under $8 million. He's going to be an eight-figure player next season. So unless Denver has some things that they can work out on the uh, the salary front to free up additional money, I think he's going to end up being somewhere else. Um, he was miscast. I think he started out in Detroit, obviously, as their draft pick, and then Brooklyn, they just threw him at the four. Like, well, he can't shoot very well. and. <laughs> And he's not a point guard. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what what are you guys doing? Because anyone who watched him at Miami or even his high school and grassroots days, you know that there's some creative ability in there. The jump shot wasn't there, but there are ways to work around that besides jamming him into the four spot. No, Brooklyn was able to utilize him well some in that like short roll kind of game, um, which was helpful, but I still think there's untapped potential. You know, going to Denver, remove that ceiling, so to speak. So, I think wherever he goes, he'll have more leeway to make some things happen with the ball in his hands, be a more versatile player who's simply out on the perimeter. Because the last thing you want to do to the talent like Bruce Brown is just tell him you're playing the four because you can't shoot. His shot has improved as well. So that's the other thing to, to make note of here. I hope he goes back to Denver, but that bread's looking too good, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean – uh A media outlet definitely asked him, hey, where do you want to be next season? He said, I want to stay in Denver. But as you said, they can't offer him as much money. And a player like Bruce Brown, who's already been on a few teams, you got to expect that he wants to get paid and know his worth. So I'm curious of whether he can earn a starting spot somewhere. Like if that mm-hmm. appeals to him, because, you know, if he stays with Denver, he's going to be coming off the bench. So yeah. we'll kind of see something that's definitely worth monitoring. But he's definitely going to be uh, declining that player option. And rightfully so, because he could command well over ten million dollars uh, in free agency. Um, Jeff Green. One of the interesting things about Jeff Green is that, um, I mean, this guy almost lost his life, like had an aneurysm, mm-hmm. had to made his way back to, to, to the to the court. Um, played over 16 years. But, like, if you look at the laundry list of players that this guy has played with, he's touched uh, just about every player in the league from mm-hmm. Hall of Famers, you know, Paul Pierce, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden. Like, the list goes on. And now he gets Nikola Jokic, finally gets a ring. Um, what does this mean for for Jeff Green? Do you think he's going to continue his playing career? Has he pretty much reached that, that pinnacle that he was looking for? What do you think about him? But I think he was a great locker room guy yeah. and also mm-hmm. – Played pivotal minutes for those Denver Nuggets as the the backup center to Nikola Jokic.
2: Yeah. He was a starter for a large portion of last season, even just because of injuries. And um, I, it sounded like based on his quotes earlier in the series, that he wants to play another couple seasons. And I think at his price point would be affordable enough for Denver to keep him. Um, so I think I expect him to be there in a similar role next season. Uh, maybe even the season after that, backing up Aaron Gordon, backing up Jokic when they want to go small at times too. So, yeah, I don't think – he's obviously not like a fantasy asset. He's probably someone that you pick up if he happens to get a spot start. But Uncle Jeff's still putting in work, man. Definitely still putting in work. Um, So, in
1: terms of anyone else um, on this Denver roster – Do you think Christian Brown will earn more minutes going into next Mm -hmm. season? Um, Is there any, anybody else on the roster that you would say is on your radar as a late round flyer or anyone that's moved up in your draft? I think
2: Christian Brown, for sure. Um, Just because we saw he kind of yo-yoed in and out of the rotation throughout the playoffs, Uh, fell out against the Lakers, was back in against the heat. I think he's going to be a solid rotation piece for them, especially if they lose Bruce Brown. Um, I'd keep an eye on Peyton Watson. At least early on, see what his role may be in the preseason. Didn't play much during this year, obviously. Wasn't in the rotation at all in the finals run. But he's someone that if they need some additional depth, especially a combo forward type guy, I think he could be someone that can get a few more opportunities next season. Yeah, I think the key to unlocking him is certainly if Bruce Brown stays or leaves. Um,
1: Otherwise, I feel like he's going to be like a seventh man, but he could have, Mm. you know, definitely spots where you may want to pick him up on waivers if there's an injury or, you know, maybe he starts getting a little bit more into the rotation. Um, But I think what we saw from him was the ability to play off ball, which is huge playing with Jokic. He makes the right Mm. cuts. Um, also makes the right basketball plays great on defense. And I think that's, what's really going to earn him minutes on the court is continuing to play that defense, taking charges, uh, being scrappy and gritty. Um, but yeah, super young. So I think there's a lot of upside for him. Dynasty stock, definitely rising, um, in terms of redraft, probably not draftable just yet, but keep an eye on, on the Bruce Brown situation. Cause I think that that could definitely open up some more looks for him on the court next year. Um, the Denver nuggets have pick number 40, this year, are you expecting anything? Like I haven't even gotten into the draft that deep yet, but yeah. maybe they might be interested in in trading up. Um, they do have a, a deep bench that they could probably uh deliver some assets off to, but you know, right now it's only looking like a
2: second round pick. Yeah, I'm not expecting too much. I think if anything, maybe they're a draft and stash candidate, try to save some money, yeah, um, to potentially bring back Bruce Pound if they can figure out a way to make those numbers work, but. Yeah, I wouldn't expect too much from that 40th pick out of it. Yeah, and make sure that um, stay up on all of the news,
1: the latest from the people that are opting in, people that are opting out. Now that the NBA Finals is over, there's going to be a lot more breaking news, so make sure you download the Roto World app and receive that breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting your favorite players on your roster. Get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone, and it's available in your app store today.
0: Have you
2: ever
1: brought your magic to Walt Disney World? Like, hey, we came to play.
2: Did you tip your
1: tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through,
0: it's true magic. Cause we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters
1: So we talked about the Denver Nuggets side of things. Let's go to the Miami Heat, who defied most of the odds all season long. My gosh, man, the the eight seed, making it all the way to the finals. They lost in the playing game and still wind up (laughs) finding a way to get to the championship. Um, Just absolute resiliency throughout the postseason with this team. They lost Tyler Hero in the first Mm -hmm. round versus the Milwaukee Bucks. Everybody thought that they were done. And then they unlocked Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Duncan Robinson comes off the bench. I mean, just a bunch of unheralded guys that just got it done, led by Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Um, let's talk about just first your your initial thoughts on the run that my that Miami that Miami made. Was this one of the most unprecedented things you've seen in your time of watching hoops? Um, it was for me. Like I, I mean, yeah. just looking at the, just looking at it on paper, right? Like I'm like, yo, know, mm-hmm. this team is. Extremely outmatched versus Giannis, even the Knicks, and they just they just got it done. Then you mm-hmm. go to the Celtics, took care of business, yeah. like just an improbable run, man. I I that was a loss of words. I enjoyed it, awesome, awesome experience.
2: Yeah, I think they're one of two eight seeds that ever reached the NBA Finals. The other one's in the, 90, the 99 Knicks, and that was part of a uh, a lockout, lockout shortened year. season, so. Mm-hmm. Playing fifty games versus eighty-two, then you add in the two playing games. I think Miami had like forty-five clutch games throughout the season. The games decided by five points or less. Insane. That that would give you a heart attack for some, you know, for some fans out there to play that many close games. But the fact that they were able to to reach this point says a lot about the resilience of that franchise, Eric Spolstra and his staff and then the players much was made about how many of them were undrafted but wherever you go in the draft i think if you have that fight in you you can achieve some great things they didn't win the title but hey they got a lot closer than any of us thought they would
1: yeah yeah they did and um yeah i think it's just the heat culture man spo yeah. spo definitely did his job and like it I think that I've seen a couple of comparisons online. I was like, "Oh, their their clutch performers are like the the Minnesota Vikings." I know you don't watch football like that, but mm-hmm. the the Vikings last season were this like completely over expectation in terms of their mm-hmm. their win percentage based on how many close games they had. Because the year prior, they lost all the games um, mm-hmm. that they were that when they're in the clutch moment. So, um, but the Heat are just different, man. And initially, I thought that the Jimmy Butler contract was a bit rich, um, but he's improved over the length of this contract since he's been in Miami. And um, so going into next season, he was a top twelve. He was like a top fifteen player this year, mm-hmm. right? He was top. I think it was top. I think it was eleven. Um, and yeah. and head to head leagues, he played over sixty games. Is he a first round pick?
2: I think you can definitely make that argument for him. Are um, you going to pick him in the first round? <laughs> I'll say this: if I have a pick towards the back end of the first round, like eleven or twelve, right before the turn. It. I would strongly consider taking Jimmy Butler. Um, I think if in that case, you would try to pair him up with a star who's more, I don't know if I'd say durable, but if you can get him alongside a star that that you know will play 70, 75 games a season, I would definitely try to do that with my first two picks in drafts. Um, he may not make too many three-pointers during the regular season, but everything else that he does Morton covers up for that with regard to his overall fantasy value. So, yeah, I think if anything, we're just waiting to see just how hurt that ankle was because the explosiveness that we saw in that Milwaukee series wasn't there. Once he injured it against the Knicks, he was still productive when he was out there. But I think is it just a matter of needing rest or is there a bit more at play there? That would be the big question for him going into this summer, I think.
1: Yeah, respect to him. He never makes any excuses, yep. you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone kept on asking him about the ankle injury and he kept on deferring, yeah. saying, nah, it's just we got to play better. I want to win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think his ankle will be fine, you know, once he actually gets an offseason. Like, as you said, they played a lot of games this year and, mm-hmm. you know, his maintenance schedule, you know, I think there is probably a, some wear and tear there that he's going to need to rest in the offseason. Kick 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 his feet up, you know, get to the beach, chill mm-hmm. out, drink his $100 cups of coffee mm-hmm. um, and kind of re re uh uh, rejuvenated going into next season. But um, I would take Jimmy Butler in the late first. I think pairing yeah. him with like a Macau bridges would be a really fun roster. Um, get a lot of steals. You have two among the most in, in steals right there. Good field goal percentages and, and good free throw percentages. Um but yeah, I think pairing him with a guy that can play at least 70 games, 70, 80 games, that's definitely what you want to look for. Um, but yeah, I think he's earned the right. You know, like the the efficiency that he has at the guard spot won't give you many threes, but he gives you pretty much everything else. And there isn't a lot of competition in terms of usage on the the Miami Heat. Tyler Hero, um, we'll talk about him. Actually, we might as well talk about him now. Um, he was cleared for game five, but he ultimately didn't play. I think that was a Spo thinking that, you know, hey, I don't want to integrate him in literally yeah. the the last you know, close out game scenario when people like Struess and, and Duncan Robinson have been putting in this work, probably would have disrupted the momentum, but you know, mm-hmm. they wound up losing anyway. Um, but he signed a hefty deal uh last year, um, along with Jordan Poole. Probably the <laughs> that's some, <laughs> some substantial money. Yeah. Um what are your thoughts on Hero and can he take like another jump? Because he was a a very good fantasy player, you know, average mm-hmm. over 20 points, uh close to five assists, five rebounds. So um, is that your expectation for him going into next season as well?
2: Um, I think he can push top 50. I don't know if I would put him right in that, right within that threshold right now, but I think he's capable of doing it. A top 75 player this season. Um, if anything, you want to see that field goal percentage go up. For him, shooting a little under 44% from the field during the regular season, I think he's capable of better. Um maybe that goes hand in hand with Jimmy Butler's availability. You know, when you don't yeah. have that creator out there as much as you, you need him to be, that can put a little bit more on Tyler's shoulders than he can probably handle right now in his career from a creation standpoint. Yeah. Also, the Kyle Lowry factor. You know, they Lowry was hurt for a large chunk of the season with his knee issues. So I think, if anything, if you get those two healthy, um, we'll see what happens with Lowry or if if Miami tries to make a deal for a point guard that can kind of helped push him over the hump. See how that impacts hero shooting percentage. Cause the free throw shooting is there. The three point shooting is there. You just need that overall field goal percentage to go up a bit to improve his fancy value. Man. You mentioned Lowry. He's uh
1: carrying a hefty, hefty price tag, 28, yeah. 29 million, almost 30 million going into next season. And that is guaranteed. um so at 30, woo, man, that is a lot of bread. So you got, so this is the problem here. You got Kyle Lowry making 30 million. Jimmy's going to be making at least close to 40, probably. Tyler Hero's got at least, what, 20? Um, Yeah, he's got 27. Jimmy's got 45. Bam's got 32. Where's the money for Struess and Gabe Vincent? I don't know because I'm <laughs> reading some rumors that they could command upwards of 15 million in the offseason. So
2: I don't know that they they might be gone. Yeah, and then also uh, Victor Oladipo has got a player option for nine and a half. Um, I mean, he's. probably going to think take that. He, yeah, he ain't turning <laughs> that. <down. laughs> yeah, you know, he, he's not turning. I don't think anybody would turn that down. You know, given the injury, given his health issues, so, nah, yeah. he,
1: he's he's staying there. Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, you know, finding the available dollars for Vincent and Struce. I thought Kevin Love gave them good minutes when they added him to the mix. Um, So there are some keys there. I think Miami's one of those teams that because of the finances and the new CBA, they're going to have to be really active in the trade market um, this offseason. I know we've heard Damian Lillard name mentioned um, in connection to Miami. Kyrie Irving, he'll be a free agent, but I don't really see how that would happen beyond a sign and trade with Dallas. And then you have to ask, what would Dallas's motivation be to do that? Um, So, yeah, I I think, I don't know, like you, what Kyle Lowry gave them because of injuries this season, you can't pay that type of price tag for it. So Mm -hmm. I think they're going to have to make some moves to improve the point guard position at minimum from a health standpoint, because I think that holds the key to whether or not they can win a title next year, yeah. And uh, Caleb Martin had a great postseason run as well. Yeah. I think
1: he's probably going to be in contention for a starting spot in, uh, next mm-hmm. year. He started a bunch of games for for uh, the Miami Heat this year. Um, he is there for you know, especially with yeah. Kevin Love uh, being an un- unrestricted free agent. There's not many bodies left behind him. Um, looks like they extended a, a qualifying offer to Omar Yurtseven. We'll mm-hmm. see. He hasn't really given them much. Uh, I was excited about seeing him a couple years ago, but he just really hasn't figured out how to crack the lineup. But that Duncan Robinson, eighteen million. Well, I think was, that's probably going to be a trade piece yeah. for him.
2: To be fair to Omer, he was injured for a large yeah. chunk of the season, so I mean, he was like a fancy all star for like that three week stretch last yeah, uh, season. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he played well. Enough. yeah Yep, exactly.
1: Um, so, but yeah, I gotta. I don't know. I feel like. If any if anybody increased their their trade stock, it was Duncan Robinson, yeah. eighteen million. Like I feel like some team that needs a sharpshooter will probably figure it out. Like, hey, we'll take him on. Um, Tyler Hero is probably a decent asset to trade. Um, he didn't hurt his value in the postseason because he was hurt the whole time, um, mm-hmm. but he already has you know twenty five and five potential. So if they want to make a move for Dame, it's probably gonna have to uh, include a couple of those guys. I I would hope they don't come off a of bam, but that might actually have to be you know if you're landing someone like Dame, it's gonna cost you. Um, But I I feel like, I don't know, Bam, as much as Jimmy was talking about Bam in the media, like saying how Mm -hmm. important he was to securing a championship, it would be off of his back if it was going to happen. As much of the same relationship that I saw when Jimmy was in Philly with Embiid. Um, So I don't think he's going to lose. I don't think he's going to, I don't think Bam's going to go anywhere. Like, I think he's going to be a cornerstone for this franchise. He proved it after averaging 21 points, 12 boards, and three dimes in the, uh, in the finals and had a pretty mm-hmm. dominant postseason run too, 18 points, uh, almost 10, 10 rebounds and four dimes, pretty much what he did in the regular season. So um, speaking about Bam, what are your thoughts on his performance and where are you drafting him going into next year?
2: I think he's off the board before the end of the third round for me. Um, if anything, I think he was a guy that you could see being taken late second in some standard leagues this season. I think that's a fair fair place to go with him because the, the the issues finishing around the basket that he had in the finals that the Heat had in general, those really weren't an issue throughout the regular season. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, he's proven to be pretty rather durable in terms of the game's play factor. So, yeah, I think third round would be fair. If you want to reach, I don't think end of the second is too big of a reach, but I think early third round working from there would be a good place to get him. Yeah, I'd keep him probably at a third
1: round. Um, would like to see more blocks, but obviously the Steals yeah. for the big man is definitely solid. Doesn't give you threes, decent from the line. You know, should be around eighty percent. Um, he shot forty five percent in the in the finals, which it looked yeah. like he was. You know, earlier on, it looked like he was uh, going to mm-hmm. be far below that, but um, he he got that efficiency back, and I think once he got the confidence to find his spots down the post, um, he was pretty dominant. So yeah, I think you can't go wrong. With him as a third, early third round pick, if you want to reach, um, I, I could certainly see the argument in it. I probably won't do it, but I could definitely see the mm-hmm. see the move, uh, being possible. Um, so the the Heat do have the 18th pick in the draft, which we already talked about. They're they their cash strapped right now. That pick is probably going to be, you know, anywhere in the neighborhood of like three and a half million dollars that they're going to have to mm-hmm. pay someone. Is there a chance that they're going to trade this, or what? Do, what do you think? Maybe that's a possible. Lore in, in trying to yeah. get a veteran player in the offseason?
2: I think that's always something to consider, you know, to attach to one of those veterans that, that may be on a, an undesirable contract, so to speak, um, to try to help sweeten the deal there. So, you know, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the money, you know, they're a bit cash strapped right now in terms of the salary cap and, and luxury tax thresholds. So I think I would not be surprised if they try to move the pick. I think if they hold it at 18, that's a point in the draft where you can find some versatile three and D potential type wings, um, like Ryan Rupert, New Zealand Breakers, native of France but playing professional last year, I think he measured out like a seven foot two wingspan. He's like six six, so you put that type of length in the, t- the d- different defensive schemes that he like to run, that can make for an intriguing possibility. Still has work to do offensively, but I think he's someone to keep an eye on in that like late teens, early twenties portion of the draft. That's a
1: good call there. Um, And speaking of draft, we're going to be getting into way more draft talk. But like every season, it is draft season. Get your Roto World draft guide bundle today and dominate your football, baseball, and basketball drafts. Yahoo Fantasy Basketball will be opening up in July. So you can get really started early on some draft content. I'll be doing my first round of rankings, um, I think, in a couple of weeks. So look out for that. But it'll be packed with profiles, rankings, projections. Order today and get all three Roto World draft guides for the price of two. Plus, use promo code Barry that is B-E-R-R-Y and save an extra 20% at checkout. Um, so yeah, the Heat. So is there any other people of the Heat like so Caleb Martin? Do you think he's worthy of being a late round draft mid to late round draft pick next year?
2: I would say late round to be safe. Um, he really wasn't on many draft boards coming into this season. I think he's outperformed those fancy expectations. So I think if you can take a late-round flyer on him, I don't think it would be a bad pick at all. What about Max Struess? Man, I think that's Higher really or lower do... than Caleb Martin? I would go lower um, just because Caleb's defensive potential, I like that a little bit more than Struess. Um, so that would be the reason why. I think Strews, obviously Streus can give you a bit more in terms of the, the perimeter shooting, you know, three-pointers. But I think overall I would go with Caleb Martin before with Max Streus And Tyler Hero, you still have him as a top 50 guy, top 75. Where, where are you picking him six, six round. I'm saying about 75. You know, if okay. he's off the board so before then, I, I, okay. yeah, I won't lose too much sleep over it if he's off the board at that point. But, yeah, I think seventh round would be be fine for his, his value.
1: Okay, and then Gabe Vincent is probably going to likely be tied to wherever destination he goes, yeah. kind of similar to Max and Duncan mm-hmm. Rob, oh, not Duncan Robinson, um, Max Caleb Struzan, Martin, Caleb Martin. Yeah, excuse yeah. me. Um, all right, so let's get to some notable news going going around the league. I think first and foremost, underdog fantasy always gets to these alerts a little bit too quickly sometimes, and mm-hmm. they initially said that that the Phoenix Suns were waiving, um, Chris Paul. That was appeared to be fake news for a time. He is not waived by the Phoenix Suns, but should he be available, um, he's been getting calls and and the pursuit from the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Warriors. Should he actually be cut? Um, that is per Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. So I ask you, Raf. Out of those places, what do you think is the best fantasy destination for Chris Paul? Should he ultimately be waived?
2: I'd say either L.A. team. Um, The Lakers, they had D'Angelo Russell, but he'll be a free agent. And I don't think he showed enough to be like a starting point guard on a title contending team. Is he a starting point guard in the NBA? Yes, I believe so. But if you have championship aspirations, I don't know if he's the guy. So I think Chris Paul could be a fit, good fit there. It'd be kind of funny because the late David Stern shot down that trade. Absolutely uh, not. Yeah. (laughs) From the Pelicans to the Lakers years ago. And he wound up with the Clippers. Uh, the Clippers also have questions at the point. Uh, Russell Westbrook will be a free agent. I thought he did reasonably well there as a uh, late season acquisition addition. But Chris Paul, you know, (laughs) when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George in terms of scores having Chris Paul out there could help them in terms of getting them into proper spots to score. That said, unlike Westbrook, you're going to have the durability question with Chris Paul, as you already do with Kawhi and Paul. So that's something to weigh. I don't think the Warriors would be a great fit and I don't know how they fit them in financially either. You know, Draymond Green has his player option. Clay Thompson's up for a contract extension. They really need to improve that depth, but I don't know if they have the money to do it. And Bob Myers won't be calling the shots, so how's that all going to go down in terms of Mike mm-hmm. Dunleavy Jr., Kirk Lacob, how are they going to handle that? And I sincerely hope the Knicks do not sign Chris Paul if it comes <laughs> to that. They already have Jalen Brunson, so I don't really see the the point in doing that. Yeah, I'm and Emmanuel. Start quickly those, too. Yeah. yeah. You're not going to start those two next to each other because of the defensive issues. So, yeah, some come off the bench.
1: This is not the Chris Paul of years ago. Yeah.
2: We're we're, we're looking at the twilight of his career. So, I
1: I think you're right. Like, I would say that the Lake, I think the Lakers is interesting. The Lakers and the Clippers are the most interesting to me. Mm -hmm. The Clippers, because I think that that would, um, they just need a natural point guard. I think him and Ty yeah. Lue would probably get along great playing with Kawhi and Paul George. He doesn't have to do much in terms of scoring. Just distribute, run the offense, play defense. Durability is the huge question there. Mm-hmm. I think it's a risk worth taking if I'm the Clippers, yeah. but I also understand, you know, the history behind that. But he was a Clipper before. Very good on the Clippers. Very familiar. Um, I think that would be a good fit. The Lakers, I think, is a good fit just because I don't know that Dennis Schroeder is going to necessarily be back. They could use a mm-hmm. point guard. Watching him play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis would be really cool. Um, and again, he doesn't have to do any of the scoring. So I think those are ideal fits. I don't like it with the Knicks. I don't like it with the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Um, but we'll see what comes up that. Um DeAndre Ayton is also on the trade block. It's only a matter of time. We can speculate, but I haven't seen any teams tied to him yet. But I'm sure that that's something that's going to certainly change by next week, especially heading into the draft, because DeAndre Aiden doesn't want to play for the Phoenix Suns. He's made it known all Mm -hmm. through last season. It was amazing. He even still ended up finishing in the top 60, despite being pissed off the entire time. Mm -hmm. But yeah, any thoughts on Aiden and where he potentially may go? I think we'll probably talk about it more next week.
2: I just hope this doesn't turn into a situation like John Collins in Atlanta, <laughs> where it's like every February he comes up in trade rumors every offseason, <laughs> but he's still there. No, I give I give John credit for kind of being a good soldier and just playing through it and not really showing any frustration or anything. Yeah, um, Aiden really struggled with that, and I think his relationship with Monty Williams wasn't the best, obviously. We'll see how things go between he and Frank Vogel if they hold on to him. But at this point, you have Kevin Durant, who's I don't think it's a stretch to say he's on the back end of his career. You got Devin Booker. You want to and you have an a team a new team owner who doesn't seem too patient, at least with his early moves in terms of letting Monty Williams go. But I think that's gonna speed up the timeline for them where they try to figure this thing out sooner rather than later. Regardless of what they do with Aiden, I think the key for them is going to be getting back quality bench production because they really don't have the depth that's going to be required to to take on Denver, you know, since they're the new standard bear in the West and the NBA in general. Yeah, I don't
1: – I have no clue where Aiden's going. Interesting, I mean, maybe Indiana might pop up again just because they were the one that <laughs> extended the qualifying yeah. offer initially that the Phoenix Suns matched to, to his dismay. Um. So, yeah, more to come on that. John Morant. So, Adam Silver decided to wait until after the NBA Finals mm-hmm. to decide the fate of John Morant going into the 2023-2024 season. I haven't heard anything yet. What are you expe- expecting in terms of games missed? 20, 50, the whole season?
2: Hey, I think it would be closer to 20. Um, obviously, when you sit down in front of the commissioner and have one talk, the expectation is that you won't do something similar again, much less two months after that first conversation.
1: So oh, I think oh, wait, the, it was
2: a toy. It was a toy. Okay. <laughs> it, <all
1: right. laughs> Who is this camp man? Like that's the yeah, best. Like, like just be accountable, bro. Like what? Don't stop playing games, man. You're yeah, playing the wrong games,
2: playing stupid it's games. It's ridiculous. You know, yeah, play stupid games, win stupid prizes, right? So, um, you know, I think. I think it would be closer to 20 just because you want to be careful when it comes to sending a message to the entire league through one person, because that can lead to going a bit too far. And I wonder how much input the players association may have in like how long suspension is, because you have obviously collective bargaining and whatnot, and they can file a grievance or an appeal on his behalf if it gets to be too severe. So I think they'll figure out a sweet spot. I don't think it'll reach, like, the all-star break because then you're talking about, like, 45, maybe 50 games. I don't think it'll go that far. But it'll be enough to where he takes a significant hit in the pockets. And if anything, you know, you're preparing for drafts early on. I think Tyus Jones, this probably boosts his standing in fantasy a bit more because we saw how well he played when he was a spot starter. And job ja being suspended for a lengthy stretch, that's going to make Tyus Jones someone that may boost his value a little bit higher than it probably should be in fantasy.
1: Yeah, you're probably going to have to be moving him up for sure. Um, mm-hmm. One player that I'd probably move up even higher would probably be Desmond Bain. I'd yeah. probably move mm-hmm. him up into the the third, late third, early fourth. I would say. Um, I'd go
2: third, third, mid yeah. mid mid third, or just mm-hmm. early third. Um, yeah, I don't know about early thirds. Then you're talking about like top twenty five. I don't know if he will be that good, but I think mid third onward would be a good spot for Desmond Bain. Yeah, I think he would probably benefit a lot. And then you could probably get Tyus Jones
1: just because he's not as doesn't came doesn't come with as much name notoriety. You could probably get yeah. him a little bit later as a mid round pick. That could mm-hmm. certainly be good for uh the assist to turnover ratio, not much for threes, but definitely great in steals and and shoots a good percentage. So Either Jones, Trey, Tyus, like they're just solid, solid point guards. Um, Grant Williams got hand surgery. That's probably good news for him. So he got right in the offseason. He's about Mm -hmm. to enter free agency. Um, Doesn't look like he's going to be retained by the Boston Celtics. They have a huge um, contract situation to figure out now that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown um, both earn all NBA. So their super maxes are going to be super crazy (laughs) hits to that Mm -hmm. cap um so grant williams i don't have much information about where he's been linked to i think he's just going to test for agency but i think he's going to have no shortage of suitors um because he's a you know a six six guy can play multiple positions guard play poor he can guard the power forward or or Mm -hmm. play small forward um so i think he's just going to be a solid player don't know that i think he's going to be fantasy relevant but i think it all depends on the destination what about you
2: yeah yeah, I'd agree with that because he he lands in a place where he knows his playing time will be consistent, maybe even starters' minutes if he can get it. Yeah, that would do wonders for him in terms of solidifying his fantasy value. I think at most, probably looking at what, like ninth, tenth round, I think. You know, I don't know if I would be going too much higher than that, unless he were to go somewhere where he were to be guaranteed a starting job. So I don't think he's gonna do like what JaVale McGee did in Dallas, and they guaranteed. Guaranteed him being a starter, and then he absolutely bombed this season. I don't think we have to worry about that with Grant Williams, but yeah, I don't know. I think, like you said, the destination is going to be key in terms of his fantasy value. And the Pelicans are looking to move up from their
1: 14th draft pick into the top three. Uh, They're apparently very interested in Scoot Henderson, Per Shams. Um, Do the Pelicans have the assets to pull that off and... Are you surprised that the Pelicans will be looking to move into the top three here?
2: A little bit. Um, I'm trying to pull up their contract information here right now because you know CJ McCollum's got three more years in his deal. Yeah, he ain't going um, nowhere. Zion Williamson starts his new contract, but he's had availability issues amongst some, in addition some off court things we're not really going to get into. But um, between Brandon Zion and Brandon maybe. Ingram, yeah. I think Ingram, he's got two more years left in his deal. Um, the problem with Ingram and Zion is the, the durability concerns. Mm-hmm. You know, Zion played 29 games this season, 24 as a rookie. He played a decent amount of games this second season, but I don't know what it is. He, he can't stay healthy. Um port I don't know what the cuisine is like in Portland compared to New Orleans. <laughs> if he moved there maybe it would help but I don't I don't know. Like if you're Portland you think about the history of that franchise and the bad luck they've had with injuries, you know, from Bill Walton to Sam Bowie to Greg Oden to Brandon Roy. Do you really want to roll the dice on, <laughs> on on Zion as well? Like you can sell the potential but Those fans, those older fans up there are probably scarred given all that they've seen with the injuries over the years. Right. For real. Yeah, it just sucks to be Portland. But Portland, they're trying
1: their best to keep Dame happy. In a related Mm -hmm. note, they are trying to package the number three pick plus Anthony Simons to pair for a star, uh, for a star to pair with Dame. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that's enough to be able to keep Dame in Portland? Considering that, Jeremy Grant – has said at least in the media that he
2: wants to resign and plans to resign with Portland. Mm-hmm. I think he could. Yeah, obviously it depends on who that star is coming back in return. Um Damon's contract is not going to be easy to move. Um <laughs> yeah, no. he's going to make a, a lot of money over the next few years. He's earned it, you know, for sure, but you're trying to build a contender that kind of hurts you on both ends like if, in terms of Portland. How do you build around them? And then if you're going to move him, what do you get back in return? Um, The third pick plus Simons might be the easiest thing to do in terms of making a move to bring in a star. I don't know. They're in a really tough spot. I think they're like the Washington Wizards of the West where (laughs) they're just kind of stuck in that NBA purgatory that nobody wants to be in. It's like right in the middle of the league. Yeah, but at least the well,
1: yeah, no, they didn't make the playoffs. They're usually they're a playoff contending team outside of this se- outside of this yeah. season. Whereas the Wizards, I don't, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's Dame time. So like, I feel like you know, looking at listen, listening to Chris Haynes, he was saying, you know, there's been a lot of hop- hypotheticals thrown out there. Mm. If Dame were to leave, where would he go? And Chris Haynes said it's it's the Nets or it's the Heat we already talked about the destination of the heat and the cash strap issue that they have. And I don't know that they have a ton of assets to even offer Portland, to be mm-hmm. honest, to, to, get there. Uh, or that that's exciting enough for Portland to be like, yeah, I'm willing to trade my perennial yeah. all-star for them. Um, the nets, they have a lot of draft picks, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I feel like they're going to have to come off of at least Cam Johnson to make that happen and, you know, a bunch of expiring deals like Spencer Dinwiddie and Joe Harris. Like, uh, I don't know that I get excited about that either. As much as those destinations might be ideal for him, I don't know that either team really has enough to really compensate for what Damian Lillard is and and what he means to this Portland franchise.
2: Yeah, Cam's going to be a restricted free agent this summer, so maybe you work out a signing trade. Yeah. Um, as part of that, you know, Dinwiddie, Joe Harris going to the final years of their respective contracts, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think obviously Brooklyn's not going to be letting go of Nick Claxton or Mikhail Bridges, so. It shouldn't. No use even asking for those guys. But, yeah, if you can figure out something with Cam Johnson in terms of re-signing him then, and moving him, if that's what they want to do, that might be their best course of action. Because in terms of established players, they don't really have the assets. I think that you'd be able to uh, get another team to uh, willingly take on while leaving Mikhail and Nick alone. Right.
1: Yeah. And um, yeah, at this point I, I just wouldn't move. As you said, I wouldn't move anything. I'd probably be willing to move everybody, but McHale and, um, and Nick Claxton at this point, but I just don't, Dorian Finney-Smith, not excited. You know, Seth Curry, not excited. There's just a bunch of non-exciting people uh, that Mm. would be a part of that package that I feel like Portland wouldn't be inclined to move on. Um, Chris Middleton had knee surgery, but he's expected to be back and ready in July. I believe he's a restricted free agent as well. Do you think that he's going to return to Milwaukee? I think it makes sense for him too. I doubt he's going to try to go test the market here when it's been so profitable uh, being in Milwaukee.
2: Yeah, I think he'll be back. Um, player option is going to pay him a little over $40 million. To opt out of that, I don't know if he's going to be able to get similar money on the open market. Maybe he can. But I think the knee injury that you finally had operated on, he's out, out the wrist surgery that he went through last season, before this season, I should say. Uh, he can be hard-pressed to get that kind of money, even with his productivity when healthy. So. I I agree with you. I think he'll be back in Milwaukee.
1: And we'll close it out with the Knicks. Josh Hart is opting out of his contract, but he wants to stay with the Knicks. What do you think the chances are he does stay in the Mecca?
2: I think they're high. Um, They gave up a first round pick for him um, in that trade with Portland. His impact on winning, you know, once he arrived there was huge, you know, whether he was coming off the bench or starting. Yeah, I think he'll definitely be back. Just a no matter of how much it's going to cost. They have ample room to make something happen, so I'm not too concerned. I think Josh Hart will definitely be back, and I think he'll be a key key figure for them moving forward. Um, and in terms of drafting, being
1: it, do you still feel comfortable drafting him? Um, he was a top 75 player this year, uh, but much of that production came from when he was on Portland. Do you still feel yeah. comfortable drafting him in
2: a top 80 range, you know, seventh yeah. eighth round pick? I do. I I think you can probably even wait until the ninth round in some leagues, but I think seventh or eighth, late seventh into the eighth, I think that's a perfect spot for him, given all that he provides from a production standpoint.
1: Yeah, and make sure you guys tap in with us next week. Um, Now that's officially the offseason, we want to say thank you for officially completing our first uh, 2023 season with Round Ball Stew with me and Raf. So Mm -hmm. thank you guys for joining with us, whether you're tapping in at our live stream or listening on the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going to continue to march on, man. The draft is coming up. We're going to have a great episode next week where we'll go into the draft, what it means from a rookie perspective, who's going to be making their impacts, what destinations certain players are being tied to, and so much more. So make sure you tap in with us yet again next week. Same time, same place, Tuesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. With that, Raf, have a good one, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace.